0: Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Henry of Bro History. Uh, today's episode is going to be a debate, a, uh, a debate on uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, religious extremism. And I guess what happened, I put out an episode earlier this week on the House of Saud and you know the economic situation in Saudi Arabia. And um, I actually got into a little bit of hot water. Um, there was some criticism pointed my way. Um, Danny, my co-host, actually was very critical of it as well. So today I defend my positions and we do a fun little debate. These debates are really fun to have. So uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as we uh, enjoy doing it. And uh, well, remember the rate in review. Welcome to BrewHistory.com. Yeah, start recording right now, and if you want to offer some constructive criticism on anything that I've said in the past, anything I've said in any of my podcasts, um, I guess specifically the ones where I've been unsupervised, because that seems to be the, those are the podcasts where I kind of get myself in hot water when I'm speaking uh, by myself (laughs) and when I'm saying things, when I'm not really bouncing ideas off somebody else, uh, mainly because there's no one to, I guess, question my narrative or to ask for more context. So, of course, some things I say may come off a little bit harsh. I do not mean if, for anything um, I say to come off as harsh. Um, I, I do sometimes have strong opinions, but I don't mean to offend anyone. Um, as you can see, in, my, in the first episode I did this week, I was actually defending um, Mar- um, Lamont Hill, is, is, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, I believe <laughs> is his name, the young man who... Well, he's not a young man. He's a professor at Temple who uh, was recently fired from CNN for really just, he's a Palestinian activist. He was, he's, some of his rhetoric was considered quote unquote taboo. Um, he was mainly highlighting some of the things that the Israeli government has been doing to Palestinians. Um, that includes things like the racial colonies in the West Bank, as well as just the situation going on in the Gaza Strip, which is very sad. Um, I mean, and the things that he was saying, the things that he was bringing up, I mean, most of it was actually true. Um, Now, where he got in the hot water and why he was fired was because of the statement that he made it at the very end. And what he said is that he wishes for or he's fighting for, I'm paraphrasing it. Um, you can look at the interview for yourself. yeah, or maybe we'll even play it in the episode. yeah. Um, what he what he said is that he's hoping for a or a Palestine from the river to the sea, right. And now the reason why he got in trouble for that is because that is language that organizations like Hamas uses. Um, when, and in that language, they will also include things like death to all, no death to Israel. So I understand that that's why he was fired. That's why he was, that's why it was such a hot button thing to say. However, I, I was reading some stuff that he said afterwards. I do not think this guy is anti-Semitic. I do not think this guy meant to, I don't think his rhetoric was towards annihilating the state of Israel. I think the guy is just a Palestinian rights activist. I think it's very fair to criticize some of the things that the Israeli government has done over the past 50 years. I I mean, some of the things, frankly are indefensible, and um, I'll just say it right there. Like, some the racial colonies, the land grabs, things like that aren't good. Um, you know, so t- some of the ways that Israeli soldiers have been um, operating in the Gaza Strip, some of the way they've been operating during these protests have been really, really bad. And I think we need to call a spade a spade when we see it. I do not mean to say that, you know, when I say Israel, I do not mean Jewish people at all. I know there's something completely different. Um, I understand Israel's need to defend its borders because they do not have friendly neighbors. They have Lebanon, not Lebanon. They have Hezbollah um, that, you know, their whole motto is, you know, death to death to Israel. Um, Mm -hmm. Iran includes that in their rhetoric. Um, Hamas, they do have a lot of enemies. And I understand that. Israel was formed, I mean, the nation was formed by Holocaust survivors who have been dealing, who have dealt with the worst case scenario in terms of genocide. Absolutely fair. And I understand how the culture develops that way. There's a culture to preemptively strike before being killed. That being said, we still have to be tactful. We still have to understand that Palestinian people are people. We still have to understand that Arabs are people. And we also have to understand that not all Muslims are radical jihadists. There are radical jihadists. And to get to my point, or or to get to, I guess, where you were offered constructive criticism is that you said that I'm a little bit too harsh on, um, I guess, on um, Orthodox Muslims, specifically the ones that adhere to Wahhabism in states like Saudi Arabia, and states like Oman, I am critical of them because the religion provides the ideological basis for organizations like Al-Qaeda, for organizations like al-Nusra, which is Al-Qaeda, for organizations like Boko Haram, for organizations like ISIS. The way that a lot of these organizations are formed, are they were formed from madrasas that were created by Saudi Arabia. For example, the terrorist attack, the tragic terrorist attack that happened in France in 2015 now. Is it two thousand yeah it was two thousand fifteen? Yeah, the Charlie Hebdo. Mm-hmm. All those guys were from Belgium. They were all from Brussels and mm-hmm. they were all radicalized and these state, these Saudi state sponsored mosques. These state sponsored Saudi Arabia finances and they, they they finances these mosques in Europe and other places where they really they, they teach a very strict form of Islam. And that's where these guys came from. So I think we really have to be realistic about Wahhabism or Orthodox Islam. Um, but we have to be realistic that they do preach intolerance. They they look at other they look at other Muslims, especially as radicals. And I think it's a fair thing to talk about. Now, on the other hand, I think that there's a lot of ignorance and the United States and pretty much everywhere. I think there's a lot of ignorance in western countries. What they yeah. do is that they correlate in a combined they take the worst and they just throw that blanket over the entire Muslim community, which I think is completely
1: unfair. Yeah, and that's I think where 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 I started to take some, you know, um Take some pause from what you were saying in your in your last podcast alone. Uh, before I jump in there, the one thing I want to point out is, um, you know, a, a common guest uh, on this show, Judah, whom I like quite a bit and and respect a lot, has said, you know, about our podcast in the past that you know we sometimes have these, you know, what makes a great podcast is when you're sitting at home and you're listening to it yourself and you want to jump in on the conversation. So I want to preface my constructive criticism to you. To, in saying that, what you did was a good podcast. It was great content. It was it was as factually correct as I think uh, you know we can get at this point. Um, nevertheless, it made me want to. It made me want to jump in the conversation. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes when you're unsupervised, you get into a little bit of hot water. And I'm just like, ah, I want to come to your rescue, but also I want to, <laughs> you know, uh, um, argue against you a little bit. Um, so so let's let's go back. Uh, I think that my overarching constructive criticism for you and for this podcast and and for our listeners you know when when they're consuming this is that we need to be able to separate uh mass think uh and individuals right and that's really really important because you know what we see you know throughout history is when you know when certain groups of people are identified as you know, um, either uh, uh, dangerous or having you know uh, um, value systems that are different from uh, you know common value systems. You know what happens is the demonization of individuals from that. Now, I I struggle with this, right? I've said you know pretty openly that that I have I have you know s- negative sentiments towards the Saudi government uh, specifically and. And it's it's hard to separate the Saudi government from the Saudi religion um, because they're they're almost one in the same at this point. Um, but uh, where I think sometimes uh, you know we and and many others fall into the trap of is that okay, so Saudi government and Saudi religion are, you know, have committed human rights uh, violations and and are you know uh, objectively doing bad things. Uh, therefore, uh, Saudi people must be terrible people, um, and it's just that's just too that's too blanket a statement for me to get behind, and and I and I, I worry about that. You know, much in, much in the same reason because frankly. You know, people are people. Most most people go about their days and have the same, you know, uh, thoughts and actions, and 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 you know, have the same empathy and and you know, uh, uh, negative characteristics as literally everyone else. And you know, it's unfortunate that you know the the groups of people that you know are often representative of their of them do bad things. I mean, like, so, so <laughs> I I won't relitigate the you know the the, the human rights violations that, that Saudi Arabia has done. Uh, you, you, went, you go into such great detail about that and, and, you know, you're really good at talking to that, you know, but there, I, I don't want to jump into what about ism, but what about literally everyone else? <laughs> you know, like what about, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, uh, uh Is- Israel, the Israeli government and the things that they do towards, uh, uh, Palestinians and Arabs, you know, what about fucking, you know uh, christian americans and you know the terrorism that they that they and their ideology espouses you know here in the united states you know there there are there are so many radicalized groups all over the world uh and i don't want to conflate the the group think these massive entities you know whether it be uh, a government uh, a religion um you know an ideological party uh, and and conflate that with human just standard individual human beings, because, you know, often the, 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 the baddest actors are the loudest, you know, and that's the ones that we hear about. And that's the ones that we're concerned about. Um, but that's not everybody. And, and, and my, my biggest constructive criticism to you and, you know, to anyone that that consumes our, our media is to just be critical about, you know, the things that you hear and make sure to understand that, you know, people are still people. And if you were to meet any one of these people that might, you know, subscribe to ideologies or religions or 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 you know uh, states that that you don't agree with. I, I think that you know you can still, on a human basis, find common ground and and you should treat them with dignity and respect uh, in that way. And that's that's my that's my whole <laughs> shtick on that. And and I absolutely
0: agree with you. I completely agree with you 100% that we shouldn't stigmatize people. We shouldn't throw, we shouldn't group people based on identity. And for one, and for people who've listened to this podcast, my opinion is that terrorism, global terrorism, international terrorism is not, it doesn't, I mean, obviously there's, there's, some aspects of Islamic radicalism involved in terrorism, but I think the majority of it—I think ninety percent of the terrorist activity that goes on in this world—it stems from just U.S. the response from U.S. foreign policy, and I don't. So I don't believe that people who subscribe to Wahhabism or or just orthodox uh, or orthodox Islam, um, they're are coming out of the womb and, and indoctrinated to, you know, want to commit these terrible crimes. I think that comes more so from things like the th- things like um, removing dictators from power and placing up new dictators. Um, you know, the uh, having military bases all over the Middle East. Um, the the uh, sanctions in iraq were were obviously a very big motive that really turned the tide on how the arab and the muslim world feel on america so i think it has more to do with our foreign policy what causes international and global terrorism however i still think that i, I it's fair to criticize it's fair to criticize cultures and I'll say it right here some cultures are better than other cultures and I really do believe that. I believe that I believe that Christians that come from the west, western cultures are better than the culture of Saudi Arabia. I mean we're we're, we're talking about th- th- comparing it is like comparing I mean, any, anything I say after this will come off really, really bad, but there's no comparison, really. Like we're talking about a place where that is, is the United States and most Western countries that have freedom of speech, quote unquote, freedom of speech. They have the right to do what they want. You have the, you know, you're not born into a caste system. You're, 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 are, you're, you're born an individual and individual rights are treated respectedly in Saudi Arabia if, if a woman you were born into slavery and it's there, there's really no tooting around that you're you, you can't i mean there there has been changes over the past couple of months as far as being able to drive but you're not allowed to go outside without a burqa you're you're not allowed to go outside without a hijab you're not you'll you need to cover your face you need permission to go to school you need permission to get a job you need permission to do anything So a culture that doesn't have those liberal values that the rest of the world subscribes to and believes in, I believe is a culture that is, is, I'll just say, is not as good as other cultures. Like, this is an ancient Rome. Like, you know, this is, we're not, we're not, you know, the Romans used to treat their women really bad. You know, the Romans used to treat their women so bad that someone from the Taliban or someone from Saudi Arabia would be like, Whoa you're so uh you're you're uh you're pretty intense right there should we say that roman culture is better than the culture of the united states no i'm just trying to make a clear distinction i I do believe that some cultures are better than others i don't subscribe extreme extremism islamic extremism, extremism as all of the entire muslim community i think it's a very small portion of it a very small portion of it and I I think we need to make that distinction. So when people go ahead and they're like, oh, all these Muslims are taking over. They're trying to enslave the women and do all this stuff. And they're just they're backwards. I think we need to be very realistic. We need to we need to to clearly categorize the difference between people in the Muslim community, because I think if you don't point out that Saudi Arabia subscribes to a very extreme version of Islam, then that gives you the ability to throw that entire extremist blanket over just the random guy in Syria who, you know, who prays five times a day and is a good person and treats his family with respect and wants to get an education and do all that. And that's why I try to make those distinctions between different sects of Islam, not because I'm trying to to, to be hostile towards Islam because I'm not at all. I, I think that I have a big problem with the Sam Harris's of the world who their whole shtick is taking stuff from the Quran and explaining why it's a bad religion or a violent religion. I actually have a really huge problem with guys like that who do who, who do that because they're missing the fact that if you go through any religious doctrine, including the Old Testament and New Testament, there's hints of slavery, there's hints of murder, there's hints of a lot of backward stuff. We cherry pick the good stuff um, in the Western world and most people in islam they do the exact same thing most muslims cherry pick the good things in the quran they pick they, they don't subscribe to all the crazy stuff so i have a huge problem with guys like sam harris who do that and also they and the same guys who blame transnational terrorism on the quran I'm, I'm on your side. Like I'm on the side. I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's trying to fight that general ignorance among the American population. So, I mean, I'll just leave it
1: at that and see if you have anything to say. All right. So it's been a, yeah, that obviously didn't want to stop you during your, your, um, making your points and, and, uh, during the brief, um, you know, intermission here. Uh, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not going to misquote you. Um, but one thing that I'll take a strong position against is something you said a little early on in that um, in that uh, uh, statement, where you say that Christian, um, you know, Western Christian culture is better is is just a better um, is just better. Uh, the reason why I'm taking a, a strong position against you, uh, you know, as is that specifically there are. It's just wrong to say that specifically Christian Western culture is better, objectively, because Christian Western culture has has put out its own slew of human rights violations in its day, and currently, um, for for you to to make a you know a, a sweeping judgment that Christianity or Christian Western culture is better than other cultures, I think is is ignoring a lot of uh, a lot of atrocities that go on uh, you know, in its name, uh, the majority of, of domestic terrorism, uh, is committed by Christians, you know, by white Western Christian people. And, you know, and it happens far more frequently than, than, uh, uh, Arabic or otherwise terrorism. Uh, um, and I think that what's, what, what what gets me frustrated with uh you know a statement like that is that you know we don't call domestic terrorism radical christian terrorism you know that's that's not a, that's not a, a a name that we use but in, in fairness we could uh, a lot of a lot of atrocities are committed in the name of of christianity and I, and what i wanted to do is parse away terrorism from its from its uh, uh religious uh backgrounds because there are there are terrorists from all religions um, from all creeds, from all cultures, and you know, to they're they're all just psychopaths. Those individuals are are psychos. They they have this notion in their mind that committing atrocities, committing murder, committing uh, uh, um, human rights violations. Is somehow justified by whatever creed, sect, you know, a uh, uh, culture, state, whatever you want to call it, uh, that they subscribe to. They 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 hide behind that to commit human rights violations. And I I disagree. I don't think that Christian culture is the best culture. I think we should, if we want to talk about Western culture, if we even want to say American culture is the best, which I'll even have my my uh, my my counterpoints against that as a strong proud american i can even say that we're fucked up in a lot of ways um it's it's so naive it's it's incredibly naive and it sets up an us versus them argument just because we're on this side doesn't make them as individuals any better or any worse than we are uh it's it's very very superficial argument and and i don't like it well, let me just be very clear. When I
0: say Christian culture, I mean secular culture. I mean the culture that was able to
1: stem secular values. Okay, well, Christian culture and secular culture are two in my opinion two very very different things.
0: I know I should have I should have been very I should have been a lot more clear about that. I meant the culture that comes from the, you know, Judeo-Christian values that came out of the enlightenment. That's what I'm actually talking about.
1: So, that's fair to point out. But even I mean, well, even but- still, you're saying that they're coming from Judeo-Christian values. Like, like, in my opinion, secular values are, are better than than any religious values because at, at their core, religions espouse a us versus them. Every religion uh, claims to have their own, you know, right to you know, the afterlife, to God, to, to, you know, Allah, to whomever, right? And each of them vehemently disagree with one another on who is the best people. And as a result, it causes a lot of tension, a lot of, you know, uh, a friction. I want to take an egalitarian perspective, a pragmatic perspective on this. The The cultures that are the best, if we were going to name the best cultures, are the ones that aren't, um, it, are, aren't basing themselves on value sets that are from, frankly, religions that cannot be proven or disproven you know it's not i'm agreeing with you though
0: i I'm, I'm agreeing with you i'm just i'm probably just not articulating it the right way okay well i just I'm wanted saying- to make sure that our listeners yeah. are,
1: are are understanding yeah. that because i don't want to I, I don't i don't like you know the idea that that one religion or one creed or one sect or something like that is is inherently better than the other they all have their set of bullshit that that is funny let me tell you a funny story uh just as, as some context for this um So just today I was reading on Reddit uh, in Chicago, Illinois, uh, they had a, um, I forget, Um, there's like a a public space, a rotunda, you know, um, where they were displaying, uh, you know, like a Christmas tree and like a menorah, you know, it's the holiday season, it's a a thing. Well, uh, the Temple of Satan, um, which is a uh, admittedly secular religion, but a religion nonetheless, uh, has decided that they wanted to put up a uh, a statue, a small statue. It's a, it's a four foot, uh, uh, hand clasping an apple, uh, with like a serpent, uh, around it. It's, it's pretty fucking metal. Uh, it actually looks kind of cool. And it says on the front something like, you know, um, uh, you know, truth is knowledge or something like that. I'll have to, uh, look at it again. Point though, is that they're, that they're, th- this temple of Satan isn't actually like Satan worshipers. Like they don't believe in like Lucifer or the devil or any religion at all but they're a religion that tries to separate church and state and so what they do is they go around the country trolling uh, different mun- municipalities basically uh, by putting up satanic things right so they had like a statue of Bahamut um, at, uh, in DC somewhere uh, which is like the goat-headed demon thing like if you look at it, you're like, oh shit that's the devil um, and it it really it just like pisses off a bunch of christians and 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 to a certain extent also jews and 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 Muslims um, but the point that they're getting at there is that you know it's a freedom of speech you can't you can't pick and choose whose religion you want to display in a public space so long as they're not being funded by taxpayer dollars like, they have every right to be there as much as the others do, and it's funny. It's funny to me because you know, they, in their own tenets, they they disavow you know religiosity. Um, but what they're trying to what they're trying to do is separate church and state. Right? They're trying to say church or religion has no place in secular government, um, and and i guess i'm kind of doing the same thing in my argumentation here you know radicalization terrorism has has no place in in state has no place in 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 religion has no place in in other large things and i'm trying to separate the individual the individual lunatics that that do these things from uh you know from the masses of the people that happen to subscribe to one or, or another ideology
0: and i just want to be very clear right here i think that I need to make this distinction before we go on. Mm-hmm. So when I say Judeo Christian values, I don't mean like going to church every single Sunday and all of that stuff or mm-hmm. being or, or being a Christian or something like that. I don't I don't mean that. When I what I would I define it, and maybe this would op- this could open up a whole different debate on semantics. Mm-hmm. Would I define how America uh stemming from Judeo Christian values? I, I mean the values that stemmed from the industri- you know, from the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. because I mean that's what it's largely considered Western free market values that that facilitate freedom and and you know modern day ones, not 18th century values, but like just, the modern day values that come from that school of thought. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I that's what I that's what I'm using um, to define. You know,
1: Judeo-Christian values. Be that as it be that as it may, it doesn't need to be in. It doesn't need to be in your. Like maybe you just need some new vocabulary, because I, I don't believe that that Judeo-Christian anything has anything to do with with what you're with what you're talking about. You know, industrialization. You know, Westernization. All of these ideas. Even the United States as a whole is a is set up on the framework of there is a separation of church and state. We are a secular culture, and and we should stop. Uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, saying that Judeo-Christian values are are the same as you know we- Western secular values those those are those those are opposed that they're not they're not the same it might be uh, a a coincidence if you will that Judeo-Christian people uh, you know set up um, you know the United States but that's not that wasn't their intent the founding fathers intended not to have a religion or a religious tinge or hue to their governance. Um, and to their culture, and I think that we need to return back to that because the second that we start saying, okay, it was the Judeo-Christian values that that set up this awesome culture, then that sets up a situation where anything that isn't Judeo-Christian values is now the bad guy, the the wrong culture, right? And that's fair.
0: That's that's a hundred. That's fair enough. That that's fair enough. I mean, that can be a different. That could be a debate for a different day. Um, on know how we define judeo-christian values but i just want to be very clear that i mean secular values when people say judeo-christian values they mean that it took jo jo christian uh christian values is what produced the 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 structure of government that facilitates the separation of church and state i mean that that's what it really comes from but i think that's a debate for a different day but yeah it's it's completely fair enough to, to, to say that like if you if you want to if you want to take out judeo-christian out of the va- vocabulary of when you're s- describing the west versus the islamic world yeah i mean yeah that, that's fair enough and i think that's definitely worth a conversation but i just want to get i just want to you know be very very clear that nowhere I, I don't believe and i i have never said that the teachings of the Quran ha- are, are what facilitate t- facilitates terrorism. Sure. I think it has to do more with US foreign policy. So I'm not saying that. And I'm saying the countries that are better off, the countries that have better cultures are the ones that subscribe to, you know, free market, um, you know, free market liberal values. And, you know, let's take Japan for, for as a case study, Japan is a largely atheist country. Like They don't really worship religion there. And Mm -hmm. Japan right now is probably the scientific capital of the world. And you can even go, another point I want to bring up, the the scientific capitals of the world, you know, the places that produce the most innovation, um, they tend to change no matter what. So, you know, in Europe 2,000 years ago, it was probably um, you know, Rome and Greece. And then that transition, that transitioned over into the Arab, the Islamic world, the Islamic world became the center of culture, like the, the greatest center of culture and scientific, scientific progression. And then that moved right. over back to Europe, um, in like the 16, 1700s. And now it's actually kind of moving to Asia where they're completely atheists. Well you forgot the part you forgot
1: the part where it landed in the United States for a bit right
0: <laughs> well i conclude i include the united states and europe as as the same in terms of like when that scientific when those scientific revolutions took place um then it moved now it seems to be in asia or at least it's turning to places like japan asia china. is <laughs> largely yeah asia and china these are largely eighth they're, they're these countries don't really subscribe to any religion. They're just, they're, they're atheists, but they do subscribe to Western values, such as capitalism, free markets, um, you know, due processes, things like that. I mean, China not, but like, (laughs) you know, not, not China, but Japan does. And Japan right now is probably the most prosperous country in the world. So I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that Christianity is better and I'm not trying to have a theological argument at all. Um, that, that's the last thing I want to do because, you know, again, I don't really care what religion someone is. I'm just saying that the conditions of living under a extremist form of a particular religion creates a, an environment that is behind the rest of the world. Like in no way can you say that Saudi Arabia, and I'm not trying to speak badly of Saudi Arabians, I think it's just the, you know, the situation that the they're government, born into. You, you mean
1: the government of Saudi Arabia? But it's not
0: just mm-hmm. the thing about it. The thing about it is though the government. So you got to go back into the history of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was formed between a the House of Saud, Saud, and um Al-Wahhab. Al-Wahhab was this this orthodox teacher, this or, this orthodox teacher of Islam and he was being kicked out of from from tribe to tribe in the Najd, which is like the center part of the Arabian Peninsula. So what happened was that the the house of saud or what they weren't the house of saud yet but the uh you know the tribe of uh, saud um they made an alliance with Wahhab because they saw a a, i guess a mutual relationship that that could really start and that mutual relationship was that the 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 saudis were going to be able to to um you know conquer the arabian peninsula with an ideological base behind them Mm -hmm. And then, in return, Wahhab would have political protection. So this was an alliance between, you know, a government and a, a a tribe or whatever it was at the time. I guess they weren't really a state yet. They were just they were you know that the Arabian Peninsula was all tribes at that time. Um, it, it was it was a it was a marriage of a mutual benefit, and one that needed the other, and that's how the relationship. That's how the Saudi government works today. Um, the Saudi government uses the extreme, the extreme version of Islam that I guess we're discussing right now um, as a means of control. Um, the truth is, the Saudi leaders and the Saudi princes are probably they probably don't subscribe to ortho, orthodox uh, Wahhabism. As much as the religious authority is they just know that it's a means of control and it's also a means to spread their ideological um, or their they, they use they use wahhabism they use um their extreme set of religion to inspire other sunni muslims to join their coalition to do things like um you know fight against assad or or you know do whatever they, they use that to gain political means, to to gain, in the name of politics. I'm not necessarily sure how big of a, of a, how orthodox these guys are. I mean, a lot of these princes, you know, when they're in Europe, when they're on their yachts in the Mediterranean Sea. You know, there's there's accounts of them drinking and partying and having a lot of fun. Right? They don't give a fuck. So they don't get they don't give they don't really give a fuck. They're using that that orthodox version of 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 Islam as a means of of control to the population. Absolutely. As a means to censorship. As a means of censorship. And fucking goddamn, you know these sirens come at the worst parts. (laughs) They they use they use they use religion. <laughs> I'm
1: leaving this shit in, dude. <laughs>
0: they use religion. <laughs> Evacuation. Come. 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 Evacuation. Come. <laughs> <laughs> God, if you all knew the things that we went with, went through with these sirens, um, it's probably my fault though. I could probably do at this point, I could probably do a better job at protecting my window from uh, all this shit that's coming in, but it's New York fucking city, man. There's, There's no there is to it. Literally, <laughs> there is, there are literally, I live near about. You know, uh, you know, 80 apartments that are in rent control right now, and the people, the tenants there are 90 plus years old, and I live right next to a hospital. So, they're just like, every 10 minutes, there's someone going in. <laughs> every single 10 <laughs> minutes, someone breaks a hip, and they got to bring them over. That's why there's so many sirens. <laughs> um, all right. My, to my point, they're using religion to 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 obtain, obtain geopolitical ends, and-, and and fucking no, nice. this, is, this is getting intense. This is getting crazy. All
1: right, let me right, let, let me say that was a let, fart. Let, let me let me jump in on this one so that the sirens can go off on your side, and I'll just mute you. Um, all right, I agree. And it, what's interesting is that the the population of Saudi Arabia, the majority of them are under thirty. I don't think that the majority of Saudi Arabians give a fuck either. You know, G- given the opportunity, I think they would probably just drop, you know, all ties to you know uh, uh, the the largely dictatorial. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, extremist uh, uh, religiosity in in Saudi Arabia. They don't give a fuck about that. They they want to you know get an education and and have some money, you know, and raise a family and and do all the same shit that you know all the you know millennials in in the United States want, uh, and then some. You know, uh, I, I agree. I think I think Saudi Arabia uses uh, religion as a tool as a tool to 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 hide behind uh, to commit you know violent acts, and it's unfortunate because. The the result of which is you know kind of almost a, at least a Western world uh, um, kind of agita against you know Islam as a whole as a religion as a as a thing and and and, and you know that that gets used everywhere you know it's it's uh, it's it's part of the roots of the problem.
0: And I just want to make a clear point, and I just I want to name some countries that are that are large, that have very high Muslim populations that are doing really well. So Indonesia, uh, Singapore, I mean, these are countries that are predominantly Muslim and they are developing countries and they're doing very well. So it's not like you bring Islam somewhere and everything starts to everything starts to break down. Um, you can practice Islam and you can practice, you can pray five times a day. You can, you know, you you can do all that and and you can still be a great person. You can still be someone who's thriving to make a better world and you can't be violent. I mean, you, you, you you know, you're probably not violent. So I think that distinction needs to clearly be made. I, I think it's true. But what you see is that the governments are the bad guys. The governments are the ones that are using religion to create sectarian polarization. And they do that for, for, for their own gain. Like if you look at the Middle Eastern situation as a whole, what they try to explain in a very – they try to explain everything in terms of uh, – of of religion, so if you look at Israel Palestine, there'll be like Jews versus Muslims. Right. If you look at Saudi Arabia and uh, and, uh against Iran, um, they're gonna say it's Sunnis versus Shiites. Right. I mean. Part of that is a little true, but there's really it's – got to take that with a complete grain of salt. It goes deeper These than that, states, I think. They, yeah. use, mm-hmm. they, they, use, they use religion as a means as a pretext. of creating yeah. polarization, as a pretext. And what typically happens is that – so you saw this increase. You saw this, this increase in sectarian polarization um, after the Iraq War. Uh, before that, in 2003, in Bag—not 2003, but in the 90s and 80s—in Baghdad, half the marriages were were, were Shiites and, and and Sunnis. When Saddam Hussein fell, Saddam Hussein was a Sunni. The Iraqi is a majority Shiite country. The Shiites gained control. Obviously, when the Shiites are, you know, have control of Baghdad, they're going to look. For, you know, they're going to look at Iran just because there is, you know, they do have a, there's, there's a similarity within culture. And you see that especially when states break down. So when a state breaks down, what happens is that people are looking for some type of community or some type of structure to, you know, provide them with, you know, basic security. So that's why you saw this, this sectarian violence in Iraq uh, because a state broke down, so they fall under, you know, the people are looking for different communities to have their back. And then, you know, if they're a Shiite, they're going to look towards, you know, Shiite militias and Iran as their, as their big brother. And, you know, if they're a Sunni, then they're going to favor towards, you know, I don't want to say Saudi Arabia, but they're going to favor, you know, Sunni different Sunni militias and Sunni states. And that's just going to happen because the state breaks down. Right. So these states use sect like this, This they, they use sectarian um, violence to achieve their own political means. And uh, I mean, especially you see that with how these countries, they fund different militia groups. So. All right. So there's a common. So the common uh, misconception about the conflicts in the Middle East are, you know, it's Sunni. For a Shiite, and I mean that's totally that's totally a farce. It's it, you know they, we, I've heard people try to paint Assad's regime as a Shiite regime, which is crazy. He's an Alawite, An Alawite is a minority of Shiites that are not even recognized by the Twelvers. The Twelvers are like is like the main um, sect of Shiite. That's, they, that's what Iran is. Um, I mean that's just not the case at all. Uh, Alawites are like one of the most I would say modern. I mean they drink, they don't wear any type of religious clothing or anything like that. They they're just like westerners. Like they're a very western style version of Muslim of of, of Islam. So it, it, it People are using sectarian, the the religious polarization to achieve political means, and I guess that's the main point that I'm trying to make. Um, And I guess I'll add one more thing. Um, I think it's all, I think it's all um, really stupid when you subscribe, when you, when you throw the blanket of extreme Islam over every single Muslim. I think it's just really, really dumb, and it just shows how obtuse your thinking is when you're like, "Oh, that guy's a Muslim; he must have some type of sympathy towards terrorists." Dude, do you know who terrorists kill? They kill other Muslims,
1: mm-hmm.
0: mostly. Yeah. Where, where do, where do these terror, where are these radical jihadists? Who are they killing? They're killing other Muslims and and Syria and Iraq. And, you know, sometimes Saudi Arabia, sometimes Yemen, you know, like they're killing people and in war zones. They're not killing people. I mean, they are killing people in the West, but it's like
1: such a minority
0: compared to the amount of Muslims they kill (laughs) to compare the amount of.
1: Other Muslims, they kill. It's like it's not even close, right? And to this, in the by the same vein, we've got our own slew of terrorists here in the U.S. that are much more of a danger to us on a day-to-day basis than any radical, extreme Muslims. Period. Just, just by numbers, by you know, by by death counts, you know, we have more, you know, uh, uh, domestic terrorists than anything else. So, like, it's a little silly to 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 place the boogeyman card you know, blanketly on, on a bunch of Muslims, that's, that doesn't make any sense to me either. So I'm in agreement with you.
0: So here, here's how I like the, how I like to think of it and, and how I like to explain, um, how do I, how I like to explain our foreign endeavors in the Middle East and, and why there is a anti-American sentiment. So let's just say that a alien force invaded the United States. The Martians. And the martians so the martians took over the united states and they um they all of a sudden decided that you know there are some natural resources that they really needed for their planet Mm -hmm. and what they did is that they divided all the lines within the united states to make their own artificial states and they then propped up their own dictators maybe their american dictators so they just like took let's just say they made um um trying to think of somebody, uh, Mitt Romney as like the dictator of Utah or something. And then Mitt Romney started using Mitt Romney was a brutal dictator. (laughs) Don't you think, or, 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 you know, even a better comparison is what if they had, so they broke up all these States into different pieces. So like there was five parts of the United States, all separate, all, all different artificial States. And then we had democratic elections in these States and then they like assassinated <laughs> the people that the guys that they didn't like, um, and then propped up their own dictator. Um, don't you think that there would be an anti Martian sentiment? Fuck yeah! <laughs> don't you think there would be? And like the people and the people who would form militias against this anti Martian sentiment, or this or the, they'd these use Martians, pretty crude means they, they, at at trying to you know attack them because frankly they would be Martians. killing them. <laughs> they, they would be killing them in the name of God, right? Like they would be killing them in the name of Jesus. Like I guarantee you, if there was ever some type of hostile takeover of the United States, our resistance would be killing in the name of Jesus. We're killing in the name or of America, at least <laughs> of Earth. In <laughs> Texas, it, in te- you know, in Texas, it'd be like we're killing in the name. of – I mean, praise be to God, Lord of Jesus. <laughs> like, 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 look at it. Look at it that way. If if you were occupied, then. You would probably use yeah, your fucking religion Martians as a uni- as a, as a uniting a uniting force
1: to create a larger yeah coalition. yeah so I mean in this case in in the Middle East you know the uniting force is the religion. I can argue that you can use a whole lot of different identities as a uniting force. I think if it were Martians, we probably wouldn't be saying you know praise be to Jesus, we'd probably say something about you know earth or people or human beings or something like that because it it would be in us versus them in the sense that they're from Mars and we're from earth um but I agree. I, I agree largely. Yeah, if you know what what we do, uh, you know has it has a has a measurable and and very large impact on on you know on the Middle Eastern world, and uh, uh, it's not giving them any you know right or reason to to be fucked up to each other or to be fucked up to us. But um, you know, it it gives context. You know, definitely does. Exactly. You said it. You said it. That that was
0: very good wording. Like obviously people don't no matter what civilians do not deserve to be killed right by any means terrorism is horrible but like if we don't understand why that these people are you know why the middle east is the way it is you know why they are pissed off why these these radical extremist groups form then we're just pl- we're being ignorant we're being ignorant and we're never going to find this find we're, we're never going to actually create a solution that's right like the anti, if you go to any Arab country, like they're not, they're not pro-America and we're not talking about interviewing people who are like just, you know, we went to a, we went to a uh, enclave of uh, suspected terrorist uh, and uh, they were all pretty anti-America. It's the average, pu- it's the public there. They don't trust America. Right. And I think, I really encourage everyone to get, if they want to get a better sense of why there's a lot of animosity in the Arab world, Against the West, against the United States in particular. I mean, just read, just just read about the sanctions um, in the 1990s. I mean, I think that was really the the straw that broke the camel's back when uh, Madeline Albright said that it was worth killing hundreds of thousands of Iraqi children uh, to uh, to you know the. To, to, take a hard stance on Saddam Hussein. Right. I mean, that was played on the media every— that was played on Arab television in the Muslim world every single day. And, you know, all these states, most of the states in the Middle East are— they're they're all— most of them are Arab states. And as far as just ethnicity, obviously, Iran, they're, they're Turkey, they're Turkish. I mean, there's a lot of different ethnicities, but it's predominantly Arab so, and you have all these different artificial states. So Iraq, Iraq, Jordan, um, I, Iraq, Jordan—they're um, they, both artificial states. Right. They were part of larger states before. They, they're just part. I mean, they're all different provinces of the Ottoman Empire. Um, they they're 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 artificial countries. So, what do these people have to unite? under like you can either there's two there's two ways that you can unite and uh, we hated the other one Um, in the 1950s and you know throughout the 1950s to the 1970s there was this really big Arab nationalist movement Um, Syria and Egypt actually became one country for a couple of years under the identity of Arab nationalism that's what a lot of the dictators were over the in the past like thirty years in the Middle East or in you know the greater Middle East area, a lot of them were Arab nationalist. Uh, they weren't like you know crazy religious freaks. We sided. The United States sided with the extremist. The United States sided with the country, the monarchies like Saudi Arabia, and we sided with the countries to we sided with those countries because the Arab nationalist they were they were socialist and they were more sympathetic to the soviet union
1: and they had control of all the oil and
0: <laughs> that that they were more but the arab countries were more sympathetic to the soviet union because they were socialist countries and the united states was more sympathetic to the monarchs like saudi arabia because they saw the, the monarchs the, the monarchs saw atheism soviet atheism as a threat to their monarchy so we sided with the monarchs and the religious extremists to expel the soviets out of the greater middle east and by doing that that set the domino effect that created almost every single major terrorist organization that exists in the greater middle east today the taliban was was given birth to that they came from the Mujahideen that was created in the Saudi, the Saudi refugee camp or the Pakistani refugee camps. The Saudis made madrasas to teach these the people who were who were dis, you know who were dislocated. Um, is that a word? Dislocated yeah. or displaced? Displaced, dislocated. displaced. Displaced during the Afghan-Soviet War. And they started teaching them, you know, the extreme versions of Wuhabi, of of Uhabiism. All these terrorist organizations are, came from the United States with the addition of Saudi Arabia, as well as Pakistan, financing these, these groups to fight Arab nationalist and communist. So we need to have that context. We, if we're going to, have a conversation about that we need to have that context that a lot of these terrorist organizations came from you know our 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 own missteps and foreign policy decisions that we made and did we deserve 9-11 nope no <laughs> not at all no <laughs> did does anyone deserve to be killed no does anyone deserve like no is it is are these organizations acceptable no absolutely <laughs> not yeah. Like these organizations are evil. Al Qaeda is an evil organization. ISIS is an evil organization. Al Nusra is an evil organization. Boko Haram is an evil organization. The list can go down really a long time. These are evil, bad organizations that go into towns. They take people out and they behead all the children in front of their mothers and rape their mothers and then throw them in the cages and rape them again and then throw all the dead bodies into mass graves and kidnap children and have pedophile rings. Like they are the worst satanic evil groups in the world. I mean, I'm really referring to ISIS right now, but there's a lot of other groups that do the same thing. Should we tolerate that? Absolutely not. We shouldn't tolerate that. We, We shouldn't, and we should do what we can to fight that type of evil in the world. However, removing an Arab nationalist from power is not the way to do that because they're the ones who are largely fighting these groups. I mean, look what Assad's done. I mean, I know Assad is not a, is not a great guy. Assad has some bad things that I mean, there's a lot of bad things that Assad has done, but Assad is the guy who basically destroyed ISIS. Just like if you look at who destroyed ISIS, it was Russia. It was Russia and Syria who who responsible for for removing you know, those huge parts of ISIS out of Syria. We helped a little bit. So, I mean, you could hit, <laughs> we, we helped a little bit. We bombed some Syrian t- villages and stuff like that and killed some civilians, killed some ISIS. But, like, the majority of people, like, the, the fight against ISIS was one with, I, I mean, I don't want to come off as some kind of, like, rump Russian sympathizer <laughs> right here, but, like, I got to call a spade a spade. Is like Assad and, and Putin are the ones that really dealt with ISIS. Yeah, they racked up the W and, on that one, yeah. They, 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 they racked up the W with that. Yeah, they're not great guys. I mean, there are the governments there that are, that do, that that are, that are totalitarian states. But look at the alternative. You remove Assad from power, who the fuck is going to take power? Who who the hell is going to take power when you remove Assad from power? Who the fuck? Like, tell me. Tell me, no one can ever answer these questions that question. No one could answer that question with Libya. By the way, I saw that movie with uh Jim from um The Office where, where he played that like military contractor in Benghazi, uh-huh. whatever. It 11th hour. Yeah. um it was okay. I, I was surprised it was okay. But it was um I mean when you when you remove these secular we, we totally went off the rails right now, but when you remove a secular dictator, remember that the person that comes after that secular dictator may be a lot worse. And I even suspect that would happen in Saudi Arabia. I bet if you remove the House of Saud, that the the people that would come up after would be worse than the House of Saud. But um uh, I guess I'll make that closing point. Sounds good. Um, I, don't, I, I, I went off a run right <laughs> now. I don't even know what we're going to title this episode. We were supposed to talk about Julian Assange. Today and I just <laughs> another time. Another beam. time. <laughs> an- an- another time. But um I guess we'll... Uh, anything to add before we, we, we peace out, nah, dude, I think this was good. Okay, cool. All right, everyone don't get high on your own supply. Remember to rate and review of the podcast. Um, I saw this statistic where I think only one out of a hundred people, they actually rate the rate of podcast when they're listening to it. And, um, I mean, come on, man, it only takes like two seconds. Please give us a quick rating. Um, you know, when you rate the podcast, it, it just helps the overall score, in in iTunes, assuming that you give it a five-star review, which I'm hoping, um, but I mean, be fair with your criticism. If you think that we suck, let us know. If you think that I haven't kicked my horrible lisp I had as a kid and I need to practice and take some more speech therapy, then yeah, I mean, say that as well. Um, If you think that uh, we're tools, you know, that's probably fair. but yeah, give a give a pod give a review of the podcast that you think is fair. Um, you know that that's how we actually improve the show and know if we're doing a good job or not. So um, criticism is welcome, and that's actually how this episode started by Danny criticizing my last podcast. All right, peace.